Welcome to the Midas Touch podcast, Ben, Brett, and Jordy fighting for democracy with you each and every pod and each and every day. Brett, I just got to start off this podcast by saying kudos to you editing, writing one of the most incredible videos, a coup in plain sight, which we'll talk about in a second. Our guest today, Joe Jaworski, is someone who is fighting against the coup in plain sight, former mayor of Galveston in Texas, running for AG against one of the coup plotters. That's what I was going to say. Paxton. You have a coup plotter as the attorney general of Texas, Ken Paxton, who I believe is under more criminal investigations, indictments, then Joe Jaworski has been, uh, Joe Jaworski is a third generation trial lawyer. More than the generations he's been a trial lawyer is the amount of investigations criminally Ken Paxton's invo- involved in. But Brett. Joe, Joe's granddad was a special prosecutor on Watergate. Yeah, he was Leon, Leon Jaworski was the special prosecutor. So prosecuting fascists and prosecuting corruption is in his blood. We're going to talk to him. I want to know what's going on in Texas. Um, so that's why we have him on the pod today. But Brett, a coup in plain sight. Walk us through your creation of this video, the impact the video has had. Tell us about it. I'm really thrilled about this video. If you haven't seen a coup in plain sight, please head on over to our YouTube channel. It's probably the easiest way to watch it. It's also currently our pinned tweet, but it's also like the first video you'll see if you go to our YouTube. And a coup in plain sight breaks down just that, a coup in plain sight. And what I wanted to do was, you know, we've heard all these stories coming out now about January 6th, but not just January 6th itself as a day, but the planning that preceded it and the ongoing coup attempt that's happening right now in state houses across the country. And so I wanted to frame it around January 6th rather than have a video be about January 6th itself. So I would say this video started a few weeks ago at this point, Um, really put a lot of effort and research into it. Um, We started digging up all these clips of, I went back to the archives of all the things that were happening in November, December 2020 and early January 2020 prior to January 6th. And so the stuff I kept digging up was just so eye-opening to me because it first, it, it refreshed my memory of a lot of things that I had previously forgotten, but it also shows you that all these stories right now that are coming out about these alternate electors and all the attempts to take over the electoral process, those were all happening, as we say in the video, in plain sight right before us in November, in December 2020. And the more footage I accrued, the more horrified I got and so the way this video went was first I like had a bunch of footage and I, I sent the brothers like two weeks ago I sent them I said look at all this stuff I found and I sent it to the brothers and we were trying to figure out the proper framing for it and at first we discussed a few different ideas and then I kind of thought you know what let's take all of these clips and let's frame the coup in one place um, because What we see right now is like all these kind of separate news reporting from the New York Times, from the Washington Post, from CNN, from Politico. We see all these various elements of the coup on their own, but I had never seen them really in an easy digestible format that everybody could just take in at once. So I thought, you know, let's put it in one video. We'll make it a video that's slightly longer than our videos because I don't want to exclude anything that's super important. And so we made a five minute short film that really 
really breaks down the intricacies and the plot to overthrow the United States government and instill Donald Trump dictator and the plot that is still Mm -hmm. going on right now. And so what I really hope is that, you know, the video now has over a million views on Twitter alone. It's got a ton of views on Facebook and YouTube. It had over a million views on Twitter in the first 12 hours. And I think the video actually broke Twitter's like algorithm because (laughs) for whatever reason, we haven't had one single view today. So we're expecting that thing to pop up real fast in the next couple hours. Yeah, the view count on Twitter was just broken today. Everyone who's posted videos today is just stuck on zero. But the point of these videos are, though, I mean, digital is an extremely important medium out there. And so, you know, as we all saw with 2016 and the efforts that foreign nations went to corrupt our election process, we all understand what happened with Cambridge Analytica and the way they utilize Facebook and Twitter to spread disinformation. And we've all seen it throughout this pandemic the way disinformation is able to be spread through social media. So in my opinion, we need to be using these digital spaces for good, to send out positive mm-hmm. information, to fight back the to fight back these conspiracies and these just the craziness with the truth. And I think these videos deliver that truth in a way that everybody can understand. And so it's really at the end of the day now up to people like you listening to take the content that we post there, the digital stuff, and share it with a friend, share it with family members. And, you know, Jordy, you made a, a, a funny comment when we were making the video. You reminded me of a viral video that went around when we were in high school about 9-11. Yes. Um, and I'm not sure if uh, you listening to this podcast remember, but there was this just complete disinfo campaign with this video called Loose Change. And it was a, yeah, Yeah. it was a piece that basically said 9-11 was fake, 9-11 was an inside job, and that the planes never went into the towers. And this video, I remember being spread so rapidly around our high schools and people digesting it and believing every single word of it. And I think that was just a precursor to what we see today with the Project Veritas's and with all these foreign networks that are trying to spread disinfo. So, you know, I think we have to understand that these videos can be incredibly powerful if used for evil. So we need to fight back with the truth and we need yes. to get the truth out there because 2022, the midterms this year, are really going to be about preserving our democracy, fighting off the corruption of the GQP. And that starts with us being activated and having the knowledge and having the tools to share with others what is actually happening in this country in plain sight. I love a good Brett rant to start the podcast. But Brett, I know I was doing like a goofy clap earlier, but I really wanted to tell you this. I put this right up there, uh, a cool in plain sight, this video that you made, this short five minute film, right up there with, with uh, Trump the snake and, and sort of our more upper echelon videos that, that you've done in the past. And just seeing the work that you did behind the scenes to make this happen, the hours, the endless hours that you spent editing this, distilling it. So you present the truth and the facts and you lay them out in plain sight, man. I just, kudos, man. Thank you for doing that. And look, digital is just one pillar of what we do at Midas Touch. You know, in addition to uh, operating incredibly successful social media accounts that get billions and billions of impressions, I stopped counting the impressions because it's, it's in the billions and counting it isn't even like something that I could even keep up with at this point. But the digital is one part of the strategy to empower you with those tools. But where we also pride ourselves is getting these digital ads into the field. We launched uh, two 
different advertisements that were on Fox News this weekend, one with Ted Cruz um, using his own words to basically make it clear that January 6th was indeed a terrorist attack against our nation. And the other video that we launched um, was using the GQP words of let's go, Brandon. And so we used that chant of let's go, Brandon, and then showed Biden's accomplishments. And as Biden tweeted about, America's really the only economy that's gone out of the um, uh, pandemic stronger by mostly all economic indicators than it was before. And so there is a lot to be thankful for. So seeing the kind of cognitive dissonance of Fox News viewers seeing a Let's Go Brandon chant, but then seeing the actual stats of what was accomplished was also, you know, I think an, an important ad to get onto Fox News. So it's getting these ads into places where we can persuade and change minds. And then it's also activating you, the Midas Mighty, you, the listeners, to be active in politics. When we run text message campaigns to get people to vote, like in the general election, we got millions and millions of people to send text messages. Well, to millions and millions of people receive text messages. We sent out about 5 million text messages um, in 72 hours, getting people to vote. We did the same thing in Georgia, and we'll continue to do that right now. So it's the totality of all of this act is, and then of course, canvassing, knocking on doors and really micro-targeting areas where we could uh, impact persuadable voters. And so it's creating this entire ecosystem of digital, on television, on the ground, on the field, which is why we're grateful for all of your support, because as Brett mentioned, this is a fight for the heart and soul of our nation. Speaking about the fight for the heart and soul of our nation, January 6th updates to report. We learned this weekend from Benny Thompson, chair of the January 6th committee, that the committee has already, quote, had conversations with former Attorney General Bill Barr. We have talked with also Department of Defense individuals. So we know that that's, that's an interesting point that Barr voluntarily spoke with the committee. Now, I am extremely interested in what Bill Barr has to say here, because Bill Barr, the thing that's always been so confusing to me is Bill Barr was willing to be Donald Trump's henchman on literally every corrupt action taken during that administration since he was in that role. However, he knew, I believe, that he knew damn well what Trump had planned for the election and for January 6th, which is why he got the hell out of that position before all that was going down. So I think he is A, an extremely untrustworthy person, B, an extremely corrupt person, but C, I believe that he does have very important information, and I hope that he is spilling it all to the January 6th committee, because if anybody knows Trump's plan, he will know it. And by the way, it's bombshell stories like this, which caused me to keep delaying the release of the Aku in plain sight (laughs) video, because every time I thought that this video was done, there'd be a new bombshell story that was released that I was like, well, this has to be included in the piece. We need to talk about the fact that Trump had an executive order ready for his signature to have the military declare martial law and seize the voting machines. That is an important part of this. Every day there was a story like that. And I think this week is about to be just as crazy with everything that we are even just starting to learn as of Monday morning. 
Oh, absolutely, Brett. And that's kind of one of the dilemmas, right? When you put when you make a video like that is you want there to be more information out there because of course we want to hold them accountable, but you also want to sum up it very succinctly in the video. But I think there is unfortunately going to be a part two to the video based on some additional information that we are learning. And as Benny Thompson speaks about what the January 6th committee is doing to hold the insurrectionists accountable. On the other hand, you have Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House and current total douchebag. Um, um, <laughs> Is that what he's going by now? I, you know, I mean, he just leans in just such a phony, you know, truly the, the height of what is wrong with politics is embodied in Newt Gingrich, just a total hypocrite, phony fraud. I could go on and on and on with more descriptions. His name's fucking but, Newt, man. But his name's, his name's play Newt. what Newt Gingrich said on one of the morning shows this weekend. Uh, you're going to have a Republican majority in the House and a Republican majority in the Senate. And all these people who've been so tough and so mean and so nasty are going to be delivered subpoenas for every document, every conversation, every tweet, every email, uh, because I think it's clear that this, these are people who are literally just running over the law, pursuing innocent people, causing them to spend thousands and thousands of dollars in legal fees for no justification. And it's basically a lynch mob. And unfortunately, the attorney general of the United States has joined that lynch mob and is totally misusing the FBI. And I think when you have a Republican Congress, this is all going to come crashing down and the wolves are going to find out that they're now sheep. And they're the ones who are, in fact, going to, I think, face a real risk of jail uh, for the kind of laws they're breaking. I mean, just think about that, Brett, what he's saying, that the January 6th committee a bipartisan committee, you know, I mean, you have two Republicans on the committee, the chair, Liz Cheney. Yeah, is we're leading the committee, really. Right. And what they're talking about is imprisoning the people who are trying to get to the bottom of one of the worst days, if not the worst day, one of the worst days in American history where an insurrection took place against our country. That just shows you the importance of 2022 in this election. We're going to talk a little bit in the podcast about there's good news from some of the bigger, deeper fears on the gerrymandering front. You know, there was a... Can I just talk about Newt for a second, though, before you do this? Because I just want people to take what Newt says seriously, yeah. you know, because over the past few weeks, over the past few days, even over the past few hours, we keep seeing comments from people like Newt. And then we had, um, you know, Gates, who is going to be indicted soon, making similar comments um, that there should be arrests uh, for people in the January 6th committee. We are seeing people say that the second they get into power, they plan to impeach Joe Biden. When you hear all of these things, I just want to be clear that this is not like fascism. This is not fascism adjacent. This is indeed fascism. This is what autocratic governments do. This is what banana republics do. They go after the people who are trying to actually have law and order in the country, and they try to arrest those people rooting out corruption. This is fascism 
plain and simple. And I need everybody to just take it extremely seriously. And we need to be running against fascism in 2022 as a real threat that is coming. And trust me, they will do all these things. They will try to use every aspect of the law to jail their political opponents. They will try to bog down. I want to correct you there, Brett. They will try to undo our laws so that they could then create a Good new correction. system that would write that. Fair that correction. Would do they, they, they don't. But they will run us. investigations against Hunter Biden, the January 6th committee. They will have their own committee to investigate the FBI and Antifa and all their conspiracy theories. They will go after Fauci. They will try to impeach Biden. This is what you will expect if the Republicans take power. Not only that though, but that also means that all the good stuff that we want as Democrats, and not only as Democrats, but as Americans, I mean, think about just from a policy basis, from democracy, voting rights, to infrastructure, to healthcare, all these things are not even gonna be looked at. It's all just gonna be, how are we going to have vengeance against our political enemies? And how are we going to stick it to the liberals and stick it to the Democrats every single day by using their power? And once they have power, they are not gonna be so kind to give that power away. So this is what's at stake this year. And I need everybody to get active and get involved. But like Ben said, there is good news and I'll let Ben, I'll let you get into the good news. So it's not just doom and gloom here. There are, there is good news coming out right now about redistricting. Ben, what's going on? Before getting into the good news, Brett, I want to talk about one of our sponsors, Blinkist. This podcast is brought to you by Blinkist. 2022 is all about empowerment, helping you grow personally and professionally by discovering content that inspires, motivates, and gives you new perspective. So let me tell you what Blinkist does. It breaks down really long books or or books in general into kind of bite-sized digestible forms that gives you the key elements. Usually it's about a 15-minute read. And then they also have audios that summarize um, long books and give you the key points. Now I've done a lot of Blinkist books. You know, sometimes I just want to listen to Blinkist before reading the book. Sometimes I just want to get the key concepts of a book because there's only a certain amount of books that you can read. <laughs> Let me just give you an example of some of the books that I have read on Blinkist. The 5 AM Club by Robin Sharma, all about waking up earlier, starting your day by working out, by reading something new and starting that motivational day with that early boost. I read that on Blinkist. and that I can tell you read that. You're looking good these days, B. It's the 5 a.m. club, and I read it on Blinkist. There you Atomic go. Habits by James Clear, talking about the importance of habits and developing very, very good habits. Um, the Five Second Rule is also an incredible book that I read on Blinkist, how you motivate yourself in five seconds to basically get up, to stop having any negativity, count five, four, three, two, one. It's by Mel Robbins. And just getting into the day and doing, you know, getting out and doing what you want to do and stop procrastinating. That's what I love about Blinkist. And it really broke down those books in a great form. So right now, Blinkist has a special offer for just our audience. Go to Blinkist. B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Midas, M-E-I-D-A-S, and start your free seven-day trial. Get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. 
That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash Midas. Get 25% off and a seven-day free trial, Blinkist.com slash Midas. It is a great way to get the key concepts of all those books you wanted to read, you know, in kind of a quick but yet comprehensive form. And so go to Blinkist.com slash Midas. And so, Brett, the good news on the map drawing, on the gerrymandering. Um, the Republicans like absurd maps in Ohio where they tried to gerrymander the crap out of it, which would have just been a total disaster for Democrats. That was tossed out by that state Supreme Court. Shout out Mark Elias on that. Democracy docket doing incredible work. Thank you so much. I think the Democrats are also hopeful that North Carolina's highest courts are going to follow suit with their voting districts there. And so there is an increased level of optimism that while the gerrymandering situation is still not going to be great, Republicans have overplayed their hands by basically drawing obviously racist and absurdly political maps that were designed to disenfranchise and that violate basic due process issues. And so, and also though, we've had great lawyers, Mark Elias, his team of other lawyers fighting these Elias. issues. These are Mark Elias. Stays in the pod, Ben, ben hasn't. I'm sorry, I thought I said Elias, but you could you keep it in the pod. That's fine. I thought I said Elias. Don't do a don't do a rewind of it. But rewind. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Mark ben Elias can, and, and can never get names right. None. And <laughs> and other lawyers, you know, who have um, done a great job. And this is what the head of the National Democratic Redistricting Committee said of the GOP, someone named Kelly Ward Burton, quote, we've stymied their intent to gerrymander their way to a House majority. This is big. And again, the same way Brett's video, A Coup in Plain Sight, puts all of the coup plots together. Mm -hmm. Don't just take the news that we give you as individual slices of a puzzle. Put that puzzle together. That's one of the things we want to do on this podcast, right, Brett and Jordy? So now the gerrymandering issue isn't all that bad. Let's not use that as an excuse to be defeatist. Now we need to go out there and we need to be showing people videos like a coup in plain sight. We need to be telling people what the GQP is going to do, not just turn our country into the banana republic they did under Trump, not just turn our country into a death trap and spread COVID everywhere like they did under Trump and like they want to do in GQP controlled states, but that this is what they're going to do. They're going to take away your social security. They're going to take away your health care. That's the first thing they're going to do. They don't give a shit about you. You think they care about your health care? They want to cough on your face with COVID. That's their goal. You think they care about you going to doctors? I mean, you have prominent GQP people saying that food is not a basic right. Like you eating is not a basic right. Like these people are going to take away all of those things that, you rely on because that's what we rely on governments for. And by the way, the things that they are going to run on as their issues are their weakest points. And I want everybody to realize that as well. Like they are going to run on schools and they are going to frame it as a school choice issue. What school choice means 
This is the decoding of the Republican phrases. What school choice means is we are going to defund public schools and give vouchers to private schools. So remember that whenever you hear school choice, it means they want to defund public schools. They're also trying to- And not only just defund school, Brett, you're going to say ban books, right? They're going to ban books. They want to ban books. Literally in Texas, they are trying to ban the teaching of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. because they say it may offend the sensibilities of students. So they are literally trying trying to ban books, ban American history. Ron DeSantis, uh, there's a a bill that's being uh, run through the Florida legislature right now, which wants to ban the speaking about LGBTQ issues and anything related to gay rights. This is radical shit. This is radical, radical Taliban. Stuff. This is Taliban shit. This is the American Taliban. And we need to treat them like that. And we need to tell everybody out there that this is what is happening. This is what's truly radical. And we want our kids to be learning all of American history. And we want kids to be able to be who they are and be able to speak about gay rights, civil rights, black rights, the rights of all Americans. These are not controversial subjects. This is literally American history that is being deprived from our kids by the American Taliban in states like Texas and in Florida. And we need to fight back. Roe v. Wade is another issue where Republicans are incredibly radical on. A new Fox poll puts them in the extreme minority of what viewers have to say about their support of Supreme Court action on Roe v. Wade. A Fox News poll, as I just said, 63% of respondents to this Fox News poll said that Roe v. Wade should be kept as is, which I'm going to shock you with this percentage, 31% of people, 31% want to overturn, want the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade. So remember, Democratic issues are incredibly popular and they're supported by most of the people. So what we cannot do is let that 31% of Americans who don't stand for what this country stands for run a have minority rule over the rest of us here. And we need yep. to be showing our power. And that starts with us showing up at the polls and telling them we're not going to take your shit. This is America. America is inclusive. America is a place that cares about all people, that cares about women's rights, that cares about women's rights to get an abortion cares about LGBTQ rights, cares about black rights, cares about civil rights, wants our kid to learn about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. That's what America stands for. And we need to make that known in November. And that starts with you getting the word out now. The framing as the GQP of American Taliban is so perfect. Yeah. And they want to talk about, you know, CRT and made up issues. How about school censorship? How about censoring our kids? There is nothing conservative about any of the issues that we've just spoken about. Yeah, I think you frame him as an American Taliban. You frame the GQP and the GOP as a hate movement. That's what we need to start talking about them as. They're not a political party. They are a hate movement, and America cannot be overtaken by the GQP hate movement. And they are certainly not the silent majority. The silent majority, Brett, in that poll is the 63% of people who support a woman and childbearing person's right to choose. That's the silent majority. The GQP, this hate movement, is the loud, obnoxious, zombie-like radicalized minority of people in the country who are out there literally banging their chest, literally, 
you know, out there screaming, cursing, spitting on you, throwing cups of hot coffee and Jamba and, juice, or and Jamba or juice at people. That's the radicalized crazy shit that these people are. Jordy. No, did you see the the one video? I know we don't have it on our outline today, but the one video of, of the woman who went to uh, like a school board meeting and said that she was going to show up to school on Monday with her yeah. loaded gun if they if the school kept their mask policy in place. Yeah. I mean, these are lunatics. Play these that clip. Right? Pl- these are pl- 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 play that clip of, of the woman. Bro. No mask mandates. My child, my children will not come to school on Monday with a mask on. All right, that's not happening. And I will bring every single gun loaded and ready to, I, I will call every. Okay, that's three minutes. You've, you've gone past your time. It's a policy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll see y'all on Monday. These are just deranged, deranged, demented people. They're evil. It's a hate movement. And I want to dig into that. I want to bring on our guest, Joe Jaworski. Joe Jaworski's grandfather was the special prosecutor in Watergate. Joe is running for attorney general against someone under more criminal indictments than I have fingers on both (laughs) hands, I think, in Ken Paxton. Um, But before I do that, I want to talk about Athletic Greens, one of our partners. This podcast is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I got mine right here. Yeah, we always have the Athletic Greens on the podcast. We're drinking the Athletic Greens during the podcast. Let me tell you what I love about athletic greens. Before athletic greens, I had tons of gummies and pills and all these random vitamins. And I tried to basically pick what I thought was best for myself. And I tried to do you know, a bunch of reading about things, but I was not getting the energy and vitamins that I needed. But AG1 and Athletic Greens has completely um, replaced that. All you do is you basically scoop up their green powder, you put it in your bottle, you add water, you shake it up, you drink it first thing in the morning, and you have all the energy you need. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special ingredient supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, this is for you. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It tastes really good. It's recommended by professional athletes. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamins, but choose the one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Athletic Greens does that work for you and how they developed AG1. And it was created when the founder experienced gut health issues like I had. He was on a supplement of about $100 a day and AG1 replaced that and it's climate neutral certified company. So right now it's time to reclaim your health arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially as we head into a flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free 
one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Midas and take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And now we have Joe Jaworski, third generation Texas trial attorney former mayor of Galveston, now the Democratic candidate for Texas Attorney General in 2022 primaries coming up soon in March for the Democratic nomination. If you get that nomination, you'd be running against Ken Paxton, who's under, well, more criminal investigation than the amount of generations you've been a Texas trial attorney. Uh, Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you, Ben. Yes, that's right. His new name is Corrupt Ken Paxton. Oh, Uh, you have to appreciate the alliteration, but it's true. And so going to the corrupt Ken Paxton, what I really liked, you know, one of the things we do at Midas Touch is we make lots of digital videos. We just released one the other night called uh, A Coup in Plain Sight, which we've been talking about earlier in the podcast. But you're a digital marketing maven yourself. I got to play this ad and I want you to comment on it. It's called Juxtaposition and it uses like Lego figures, which compare you to your would-be Republican uh, opponent in for AG. Can we play this clip, Brett? In Texas, politics can be confusing, so let's keep things simple. Let's say this is Texas Attorney General Republican Ken Paxton. What's going on? And this is Texas law enforcement, a group Ken Paxton is very familiar with. Hey, fellas. Because he's been indicted on three state felonies. Three. Whoa. And this is the FBI. Oh. They're investigating Ken Paxton for abusing his office to benefit a wealthy donor. Hey, look, it's my friend with money. And this is Democrat Joe Jaworski. He's running against Ken Paxton to be Texas's new attorney general. He's never been indicted for anything. Oh. Or <laughs> by the FBI because, well, he's a good person. Also, Joe's grandfather was Leon Jaworski, the special prosecutor who investigated Nixon and forced him to resign. Pretty good. Fighting corruption is in Joe Jaworski's DNA, while being corrupt is in Ken Paxton's. Yeah, I know the drill. Elect Joe Jaworski for Texas Attorney General to replace the Republican making a mockery of Texas's top law enforcement office. That's a campaign ad right there. Woo! At minimum, you got to win an Emmy, Joe. (laughs) Well... Let me say, if you want me to uh, comment on that, the guy who um, was our, our man on that, Brad Harvey, uh, went to high school with my campaign consultant, Jeff Hewitt, and that was the connection. But uh, extra points if anyone can identify the voiceover. Oh, my gosh. Who is it? It's a, it's a voice you've heard from Turner Classic Movies, uh, Ben Mankiewicz. And, uh, you know, I was going to be my guest. I was going right, to go. Exactly. That was my first guest, too. But Manko, I was, <laughs> right, like, go I was, like, I was going Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz. Classic, classic Mankiewicz. Mankiewicz. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, they they are uh, they've never done political ads before. They've done ads that have won awards on the Super Bowl uh, that have been played during the Super Bowl. So we decided to get them involved in politics. And they've done a second one uh, that is completely different. And uh, then they did a third one that is reminiscent of the. Uh, the first one. Uh, And uh, so it's all on our YouTube channel. I love that ad, but it raises a serious point though. I mean, you have a number of serious points. I mean, number one, you have in Texas an attorney general who is completely corrupt, 
who views his job as basically the personal attorney of uh, the governor, but really the personal attorney of like just the center of massive corruption that's taking place. Do you think the voters get it at this point? Are they ready to make a change? Like it just seems so obvious to me that Ken Paxton, how do you have a criminal, uh, uh, someone under criminal investigation as the AG? Ben, I totally agree. And we start with the agreement among Republicans and Democrats that Ken Paxton's got to go. Look at it this way. There has not been a contested Democratic primary for Texas AG since 1998. And now we've got five people running. How about this? On the Republican side, we have unprecedented three office holders who have either resigned their job or elected not to run again for a safe reelection to run against this man. I mean, that's eight people. Uh, and let's talk about the Republicans. George P. Bush, Texas Land Commissioner, you know, son of the, you know, Governor uh, Jeb Bush. Eva Guzman, a very popular Texas Supreme Court justice who literally resigned the bench to run. And then Louie Gohmert, who I really can't talk about because I don't understand what planet he's from. But I, I will say that he doesn't fit into my analysis, the analysis that I'm about to share, <laughs> which is the moderate Republicans represented by Bush and Guzman have a lot of good people supporting them, money, time, effort, best wishes. Well, they're going to be sore pretty soon when Ken Paxton wins the nomination for the third time because he's got Trump's endorsement. He's got the power of incumbency. So he gets to own the libs on masks, abortion, election, gerrymandering, whatever, patting himself on the back every week on Maria Bartiromo. Well, look, he's going to get the nomination. The only question is, will he need a, a runoff to do it? Here's the point. Next fall, when these same moderate Republicans are checking their ballots as to who they're going to vote for, they may vote for the Republican for governor. They may vote for the Republican for lieutenant governor. But when they get to that third race, attorney general, they're going to say, Ken Paxton, I don't forgive and forget so easily. I'm skipping you. And that's good for us because that dilutes his vote count. Or better yet, Ben, they may do something they haven't done in a long time, which is vote for the Democrat, Joe Jaworski, the lesser of two evils. <laughs> that's a new T-shirt we're coming out with. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you see, that's how people think on these votes. And, and well, they should. Yeah. So so I think, yes, the answer to your question is people are ready to turn him out. It's time. And let's look at some of those issues that you mentioned, masks, abortion, elections, for example. Let's start with SB8, which was a is a bounty hunter law still in effect in Texas. As attorney general, let's just say, you know, SB8 is still on the books. What would you do as attorney general um, knowing that that law is on the books? I mean, and, and here's the thing, too, that we see, you know, as we celebrate um, and recognize the importance of abortion rights with Roe v. Wade, um, and the Supreme Court's arguments in Dobbs versus Mississippi, which also threatens to overturn Roe v. Wade, um, people's support of abortion health care rights. Um, it's about 60, 65 percent. You know, it's, it's significant. People want to support the right to choose. Um, so how would you handle this as attorney general? It's best to be unequivocal about this, Ben. And I will tell you that as Texas attorney general, I would reverse the pleadings. I mean, 
That is very clear to me. So should the lawsuit, which, you know, I think there's two of them right now, there's one wending its way through the state court system. And there's one in the federal court system, which has now been parked at the Texas Supreme Court as well. Whatever venue it may be, the position of the Texas Attorney General will be that Senate Bill 8 is facially unconstitutional. It is. It's mathematically unconstitutional. Now, if Dobbs and Mississippi case in the Supreme Court does get decided by June, as is expected, we'll see what the Supreme Court does. I, I prefer not to speculate, but in the event Roe v. Wade is somehow disabled, you know, they did it to the Voting Rights Act in Shelby. Um, what if they do it in Roe v. Wade? It would be a monumental miscalculation, may I say, politically on the Supreme Court, and it will open uh, a wound in Texas uh, and America that that will not be long forgotten. But I tend to think that John Roberts has a little more control of the Supreme Court. So I don't expect Roe v. Wade, quote unquote, to be overturned. But whatever's left of it, there's still going to be a Texas case by the time I take the oath next January. Uh, and I will reverse the pleadings. I will let the people know that the Texas attorney general is on the side of reproductive choice. Let's talk about, you know, simple thing as vaccinations. You know, it's shocking to me that that became a political issue. You know, it was always the case that people get vaccinated against deadly diseases and so that they could live and be healthy. But the Republican Party has taken this mantle as an anti-vax anti-mask, and dare I say, pro-COVID party. It seems that they want to talk closer in your face to like spread the disease as well. Like it's it's more than just being anti-vax and anti-mask. Where do Texans stand generally on that issue? And as AG, you know, how would you balance you know, some people saying, look, we need our kids to go back to school. We want our freedoms with, hey, you need to be healthy. You need to, you know, we, we want to live. We want Texas to be a state where, you know, people are healthy. Well, sure. And, and I'm going to rely, Ben, on my background as a former mayor of Galveston, as you all mentioned in the preamble, uh, because I believe in local decision making authority. It works. People like local government. It's the best government because it's the most responsive government, meaning uh, you can stand at the podium and be close to the mayor and city council or the county judge and the county commission or the school board. You can affect their decision making by your presence. You, you can't go see the governor every day or the lieutenant governor. Here's my point. Uh, I think Governor Abbott is totally playing politics. Uh, with this pandemic and people are dying because of it. When it first broke, he was all for masks. He was all for separation and, you know, closing things down. Then the power got to him. Uh, the powerful got to him and he reversed course and has been concerned about his primary reelection ever since. Here's where he's going wrong. And this is where my experience as mayor, I think, would come into play as attorney general. Right now, there's something called the Texas Disaster Act, and it has these beautiful words in its own introductory paragraph. It allows leaders to meet the moment. Now, you know, this could be a hurricane. This could be a pandemic. Uh, this could be a, a wildfire. Um, and Greg Abbott has elected not to meet his moment, which is his call. In other words, if he, as governor, wants to say, I'm hands off, we're not going to do any of these mandates, we're not going to do the things that I'm allowed to do, more power to him, that's his call, he has to live with himself. 
where he abuses it, and I condemn Ken Paxton for letting him get away with it, is he is preventing local leaders from meeting their moment. That is an abuse of the Texas Disaster Act. And so far, that position is being sustained in court. I wrote an editorial about that several months ago, and I'm proud to see that position being accepted by the courts. So as attorney general, in my opinion section, and that's one of the things we do is we write attorney general opinions, which stand as the law on questions that are unsettled, uh, I would tell Greg Abbott, hands off county judges, mayors, superintendents, and school boards. If they want to do mandates, that's their call. Joe, we talk about your DNA as a fighter for justice. And uh, as I think your ad mentioned earlier, your grandfather was Leon Jaworski. He was a special prosecutor on Watergate. What is your perspective um, with that in mind on January 6th and the Department of Justice's efforts to hold those accountable? Brett, thank you. Uh, so I think that, you know, we are a constitutional uh, republic and uh, every now and then we have constitutional crises. Uh, we certainly had one in the Civil War. Uh, we certainly had one in Watergate and we have one now. Um, so, you know, I respect the legacy of Leon Jaworski, a, a man who I loved dearly and knew very well. Um, you know, just FYI, I visited him during Watergate lived with him and my grandmother at the Jefferson Hotel for a while, uh, lived with him my freshman year of college. He passed away my sophomore year. Uh, but the legacy of Watergate and Leon Jaworski is no man is above the law. Uh, and that is something that is ascendant again, uh, certainly with Donald Trump and certainly Ken Paxton. So on January 6th, the rule of law, uh, I think, is being followed by people who are being very courageous. Um, you know, uh, Liz Cheney, for example, perhaps I don't agree with much on her policy pre uh, uh, constitutional crisis, but she is certainly making us proud and following the rule of law. So I admire her and I want to give her a shout out um, on that issue. Uh, so Ken Paxton, he was there as well on January 6th. He's refusing to turn over his emails and texts, even though he is the guard of the Texas Public Information Act. And he knows damn well that his texts and emails that day are public information. Um, so what I would say is uh, that is a mantra, uh, as you say, DNA uh, aspect to my campaign, which is let's restore integrity to the office. That's a bipartisan or a nonpartisan concept. Let's follow the rule of law. Uh, let's don't just go by whim or whoever you know your favorite is. Let's follow the concepts that have guided us for all these 200 plus years. And, and speaking of your would-be opponent, Ken Paxton, and those records uh, that he refuses to release, this past Friday, um, Paxton was given four business days to turn over the communications related to his trip to the Capitol on January 6th. What do you make of his refusal to not turn over these documents? And what do you make of Paxton's involvement in January 6th? What should people know about Paxton's relationship to January 6th, just in general, I guess? Sure. I mean, it's par for the course. I expected that he would simply resist it because he's resisted everything else. Uh, he um, uh, is weak and, and malleable. Uh, this is why Donald Trump picked him. So I think what thing, things people need to know, Brett, is uh, when Donald Trump uh, was circling the corner of summer 2020 before the November election, which, by the way, dates the time I decided to run for this office, July 2020. You recall 
Trump was already saying, oh, it's going to be a cheat. And if I lose, it'll be because they stole it. So he, he knew the polling was not going in his favor because of his pathetic handling of the pandemic and so many other things. And, you know, he fired his campaign manager. You remember the big brawny guy? Uh, so he knew he was going down. And so he just needed someone to be the fall guy for it. Um, so when obviously November came and went, they realized the numbers didn't go their way. Uh, there was some gadfly, you know, who went to Harvard and got a law degree, uh, who drafted the uh, legal memo that they were trying to sell around to the South. And all the attorneys general in the South just said, don't I don't want to have anything to do with that. Ken Paxton said, I'll do it because he's weak and malleable and, and ambitious or whatever word you want to use. His own solicitor general, Brett, uh, Kyle Hawkins was like, I'm not signing that. And he was gone within 30 days. So Ken Paxton proudly put his name on probably the masterpiece of frivolous pleadings, you know, for the last decade or century. And uh, of course, it was laughed out uh, of court within four days. However, that didn't stop him during that 96 hour period from, you know, doing one of those co-emails with Trump's campaign, you know, all shoulders to the wheel. Uh, you know, this man is saving democracy. He raised $170,000 in 48 hours in small dollar donations across the nation. So, you know, there's a lot of people that want that. Um, but I maintain, Brett, that the, the good people who follow the rule of law, who have done with the foolishness, outnumber them. One of the craziest things and just speaking about all this and the video we released, the coup in plain sight, is that all of the corruption is happening in plain sight. They're broadcasting everything that they want to do on podcasts, on TV networks. And recently we had A.G. Paxton literally go on Steve Bannon's podcast. If that doesn't just speak to corruption in and of itself, the fact that he went on to Steve Bannon's podcast and he said the quiet part out loud. He said, we're done in Texas if anybody can vote. By this November, if we don't get this changed, I think it's very likely we, we lose. We could lose five members of the Texas Supreme Court who are up. We could lose my position. We could lose governor. It's just a matter of whether it's this time, the next time, the next time we're done in Texas, if anybody can vote. What do you make of his uh, honesty, I guess you want to call it? And how do you plan to protect voting rights right now? It's a hot button issue. Everybody's very concerned about it. Sure. Uh, I mean, so believe them when they say who they are uh, is is the mantra and remind people. I mean, we have the technology. Uh, we have this podcast. We have, uh, you know, social media. We can run these things like the Lincoln Project has done so well over and over and and turn voters out on the question of elections. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, Ken Paxton is the problem. You know, he's so proud of his voter fraud unit which, by the way, uh, has burst into flames because the enabling statute that he has been relying on for so long to threaten people of color, uh, better don't make a mistake when you vote because we may put you in jail, and he's done this several times, has been ruled unconstitutional by the all-Republican High Court of Criminal Appeals in Texas. So he can't believe his poor luck uh, that his, you know, uh, kinsmen and women have ruled against them, uh, but there's no appeal from it, you see, because it's the highest court in Texas on the matter of criminal law. Here's what I'm going to do when I take the oath. I'm going to take the ashes of Ken Paxton's fake voter fraud unit, Brett, and I'm going to turn it, this is a pledge, 
I'm going to turn it into General Jaworski's voter access unit, you know, because you ought to be able to call the government if someone is abusing your voting rights. Here's an example. May I? Please. And this is transformative. Did you know that there is a law on the Texas books that is simply not followed? And it's election code 13.046D as in David. And it very simply states that every principle in the state of Texas, public, private, charter, religious, must offer to each senior attaining the age of 18 registration twice a year. Now, you can't make them register, but you know how kids are. They'll do it if you just offer it. Well, they don't do it in some schools. In fact, they don't do it in most schools. I will be the attorney general who sends a letter every August, and I'll probably do one in January after I take the oath. Dear principal, this is your attorney general speaking, Joe Jaworski. Please do confirm receipt of this letter and let us know the two dates this school year that you're going to be offering registration to the 18-year-olders, and we'll be there to celebrate. Guys, can you imagine if Texas were to register every 18-year-old? Yeah. Oh, well, and it's Game the law. Changer. Yeah. And, and yes, I'll send a letter with the beautiful gold embossed AG letterhead. And there, I think there's like 1,700 <laughs> principles. We'll, we'll buy 1,700 stamps, 1,700 envelopes, and 1,700 letters. I'll sign them myself, in fact. And can you imagine if we can stoke the same civic zeal at age 18 when it comes time to vote? as they exhibit two years earlier when it's time to get the driver's license. Transformative. I want to ask you about something else that's uh, pretty near and dear to my heart that I know you've been super vocal about, and that's the legalization of cannabis in Texas. And why do you think that's so important? And why do you also think that's become really, I, I guess you could say, a bipartisan policy issue now? I agree, uh, Jordy. That's a fabulous uh, segue. I, I would say that we are a state uh, that should be a trendsetter rather than, you know, always being at the bottom. And uh, because we've got uh, the numbers of people, we've got the space and we've got the reputation. So why uh, are we so far behind on this? I say it's time to not put our toe in the water. It's time to jump in, legalize cannabis. And, and there's several reasons. One for revenue and jobs. I mean, we are never going to have an income tax in this state. And I don't even want to go there, but we are property tax weary. And so I think that cannabis, if we tax it at the moderate Colorado rate, uh, we will generate, and this is a conservative number, 1.1 billion every legislature. We Ooh. meet twice a year. That's a, that's a lot a of money. And, and let me just put a footnote on there. Let's do gaming as well while we're at it. I mean, again, just bring the money. You know, People do it all the time. They just travel yeah. out of state. 30,000 jobs. And Jordy, I'm not even talking about construction jobs. I mean, permanent industry jobs at the dispensaries, you know, growing. A second is we have a lot of veterans here, you know, lots of Air Force bases and military bases and just people move here because we are a large populated state. PTSD, cancer patients, chronic pain. Finally, if we legalize cannabis, we offer an alternative to pills, 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 and we fight a winning war against Opioid addiction. Yes. But but here's the real reason. I think the Texas attorney general should be high behind this and literally be the first witness in the 2023 legislature. And it's this social and criminal justice reform. Guys, how much longer is Texas going to burden and incarcerate young adults? And, and let's be fair. 
typically young adults of color, mm-hmm. for possessing a flower that grows out of the ground so that we can incarcerate them in private prisons so that shareholders can make a profit on their imprisonment. That sounds horrible to me. And, and here's the best part. And, and this will warm the hearts of those who think the Democrats have had their messaging upside down. If we remove this wasteful, petty prosecution from the books, we fund the police. Uh, look, we save 300 million a year so police and prosecutors can fight real crime instead of wasting their time on this burdensome uh, uh, you know, law, which has failed. And so uh, we can go after real crime, uh, gun crime, cartel crime, domestic abuse, uh, human trafficking, and incarcerate the sort of people that would storm the Capitol on January 6th. Now, that's beautiful right there. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, with both the medical uses for it and just eliminating the unnecessary incarceration of black and brown people really all across the U.S. It's just it, it's insane over such a, a flower, as you say. Flower. <laughs> And people always ask the follow up, which is very true. Uh, and, and this, of course, means restorative justice. Those that are in prison just for possession should immediately be released yes. on the passage of this law. And even better, those that have a record with that petty prosecution on it should, by operation of law, have it expunged. Absolutely. I, I love that so much. And now I'm going to pivot here. Uh, the brothers have no idea I'm asking this question. Frankly, I didn't know I was going to ask it until you brought this person up earlier in the interview. And that's George P. Bush. I don't know your relationship with him, but have you ever met a bigger clown than George P. Bush? And I ask that because the way that you've interacted with your family, third generation of just being so pro-democracy, you would never, at least from what I understand about you, turn on your family the way George P. Bush bent the knee to Donald Trump. It is embarrassing. And and I... I would recommend that he explore his options in the private sector that will embolden him and make him his own man. Look, you know, he may be a great guy to be with, but I, I think that people do things in pursuit of public life that is not natural. And that was one of them. Uh, You know, his family by all measure has done a, you know, a notable job in public service in America, some better than worse. But um, I will tell you one of the sort of, it's not really a laugh line, but it's a comment I make is that, you know, I remember when Ann Richards was governor and I graduated law school in 1991. I actually met her at the grocery store during her term as governor, just a completely wonderful human being, gave me 10 minutes of her time, governor of Texas in the produce section at Fresh Plus. And, and I, I thought that was a promise made to me, uh, you know, you know, Jordy, this is a progressive state, a, a modern, you know, state, you'll be a lawyer soon, and it'll all be fine. And then it's just gone downhill ever since. And the laugh line, I always say is, and here we are left in, you know, 2022, wistfully thinking about how reasonable George W. Bush was on the matter of immigration. <laughs> That's it. That's what we get. But but I will say, um, you know, H.W. Bush, George Bush, Jeb Bush. I mean, yeah, look, I mean, they're all people who've been elected and they were leaders and they had good days and, and bad days. But this deal where it's like he's throwing them all under the bus because Donald Trump is, you know, the ringleader uh, sickens me. Uh, and I, I hate to say that. And I hope that when and I'm sorry for him, but I'm, when he loses his primary and he's no longer general land office commissioner because he's not going to be. Uh, since he didn't sign up to run again, he'll have a chance to explore and maybe he'll come back, you know? Yeah. 
that really depends on the Republican Party coming back. I mean, George P. Bush is really symptomatic of of the problem with the Republican Party. You have to bend the knee to Donald Trump. If you're not a radical extremist like Ken Paxton, it's very hard, if not impossible, to get elected in what the current Republican Party is. And I think we need to start calling it what it is because Americans aren't on the side of radical extremism like these right wingers like Ken Paxton. I say this all the time, like a lot of my ideals, Joe, line up with progressive ideas, liberal ideas. But I think I'm a far more conservative person because I believe in conserving our democratic institutions than any of these Republicans. I don't think they deserve to be called conservative anymore. And I think we should stop seeding the ground as Democrats to say they're conservative. We should just call them radical extremists, terrorists, and just call it for what it is. And we're more conservative, even though we have progressive liberal views from time to time. What do you think about that? I could not agree more. And I'm so glad to hear you say that. Keep saying that. For example, we've just talked about local decision-making authority. That is a conservative principle. So, So let's separate our terms, as you're suggesting, Progressives can be conservative. Those are not mutually exclusive. So, you know, I'm a former mayor. Uh, I had coffee with my constituents. I paid for the coffee because I had some money left over in my campaign account. And we talked about things. You can affect your local government. It's called federalism. And yet here we have Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick and Ken Paxton, you know, looking up to D.C. and saying, hands off, states' rights. But when they look downstream, it's no, you're doing it wrong. You're going to do, as we say, counties, cities and school boards. Totally inconsistent. It's not conservative in the slightest. And then there's the wasteful spending of money on addressing the immigration crisis because they all it's really their primary reelection crisis. Let's be fair. Uh, They're wasting money on this wall that doesn't exist. They're spending money sending these poor National Guardsmen and DPS troopers down there just to sort of sit and look tough on the border. And um, and I agree with you. We will we will call them out for being wasteful, not conservative in the slightest and simply uh, outcome oriented. It's all about holding on to power, limiting your ability to vote. How is that conservative? How is it conservative to say that uh, we will limit drop boxes for mail-in ballots? It's all straw men, it's all hobgoblins. And honestly, the wave of not blue versus red, but just the wave of reason is is coming. And, And we have got to have good candidates who are willing to look them in the eye and say so. Well, Joe, you gave us the title of our episode there. The wave of reason is coming. Um, I love that. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Joe Jaworski running for AG in Texas. We hope you come back on the Midas Touch podcast. Be my honor to. Thank you, gentlemen. Great interview with Joe Jaworski. We'll be following his debate. I really loved one of the reasons I wanted him on the podcast is I saw that ad and yeah. I was like, I just got to meet the candidate who did that ad. It was such a like that to me is how you engage people. 
You know, you have to break it down simple. You have to kind of capture their attention. And you it is be true. creative with it. I mean, think about how many ads people are inundated with on a daily basis. It's the same shit. So-and-so wants to take away this. So-and-so wants to do that. So you need to learn like to deliver things in like an interesting way that people aren't going to tune out. And I think that's the mistake that most ads make, that most politicians make, is they just run the same bland shit over and over and over. Like it all just becomes one big clusterfuck of a blur. You got to be innovative. I agree with you, Jordy, 100%. We got a lot more to talk about on the podcast. We got to talk about one of my childhood heroes, like just, it was so disappointing to see that John Stockton became a a zombie. So um, (laughs) that's what I basically call him. What was he saying? We'll talk more about the John Stockton situation. I want to talk though about, and related to that, um, studies coming out showing how masks get this work and they work in schools and that we shouldn't make schools petri dishes for children to become vectors of a disease and spread it to their parents and grandparents and kill people. That should not be a shocking concept. We'll talk about another zombie leader, Don Jr.'s video, and a lot more to talk about on the Midas Touch podcast. We'll probably talk about Trump's SPAC and this ridiculous interview with Devin. You never Nunes. know where the Midas Touch podcast is going to go. We could, we could go anywhere, you know? <laughs> go, Who knows? Go, go anywhere, Brett. But first, tell us about one of our great sponsors. Uh, I got to tell you guys about Magic Spoon, who's one of my favorite sponsors. It's the new year. A Magic Spoon is perfect for meeting your goals, whether it's eating healthier or saving more time in your morning routine. Magic Spoon works great for me in both of those things because making these videos, doing these podcasts, figuring out all of our future canvassing efforts, all of our election targets, all of this stuff. It takes a lot of time, so I really need to find meals that help me get through the day and remain healthy at the same time with quick meals. Growing up, cereal was always one of my favorite parts of being a kid, but yeah, I had to give to it up. We used to love cereal growing I mean, up. All, all the cereals, like all the time, but then you had to realize like, oh, this stuff really isn't good for you. Like, <laughs> you can't be having it all the time. But, you know, especially now, like we're all trying to eat better and healthy breakfast, though. It, you realize at a certain point, it doesn't have to be boring because magic Magic Spoon has all those amazing flavors that we loved as a kid, but without all the bad stuff. And it's also like the other day I was like super hungry and it was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, what am I going to do? Like have like a, like a chocolate bar? Like what am I, and my wife said, we have some Magic Spoon and hey. we had the fruity kind of the Magic Spoon. And it was like the best thing to have before bed. It was satisfying. And I knew that I was being healthy while I was eating it. Let me just tell you the nutritional facts because the numbers don't lie. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net grams of carbs in each serving, only 140 calories a serving, and it's keto-friendly, it's gluten-free, it's grain-free, it's soy-free, and it's low-carb, and you could build your own box. So they have all these available flavors. You could build your own custom bundle with cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. Maple waffle has become my new favorite. I finally got a hold of the Magic Spoon Maple Waffle Cereal, and I cannot recommend it enough. Go to magicspoon.com slash Midas to grab a custom bundle of cereal and start your new year off right. And be sure to use our promo code Midas at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason whatsoever, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Remember to get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash Midas. That's M-E-I-D-A-S. And use that code Midas to save $5 off. Thank you so much to Magic Spoon for sponsoring this episode and for helping me go to bed satisfied and healthy. (laughs) And so we got to talk about John Stockton. Uh, For those who don't know, he was on the Utah Jazz. He was a point guard. 
I love John Stockton growing up. He was on the dream team. It would be Stockton and, and Malone, right? That would yeah, be the him, him and him and see. Him I know sports, Malone. Jordy. You I know, know 90s. Sports. You know 90s sports. Hold up, Ben. Stop for one second. Brett, who played last night? What was the what was the football game that happened last night? Jordy, I know that the Rams. No, no, no. You know sports. You know sports. What was the football game that happened last night? Arguably one of the greatest football games that actually ever, you know, ever played. The Rams Bucks game. I watched the like I saw the games last no, night. No, no. For those listening on Tuesday with the podcast drop, it's Monday right now when we're recording. The I'm Bills Chiefs the, game. Which which I give, game. I give Brad credit, Jordy. We don't listen to we don't watch the NFL until Kaepernick is playing again in the Boom. NFL. Facts. That that is the answer. Okay, on that the was the correct. That was the correct answer. But the that answer was, was you didn't give that answer. Rams Bucks Bills Chiefs. That was those were the games that were last night. But I I actually did watch those games last night. But. I do know my 90s sports much better than I do. Right, let me break down. Let me break down the John Stockton situation. Whenever one of my childhood heroes, you know, becomes like a GQP or it turns out they are a GQP, <laughs> or, you know, I'm like the zombies got him like not another zombie. It's like a zombie apocalypse movie. And so John Stockton became a zombie. John Stockton went to Gonzaga University in college. And so he would go to the McCarthy Athletic Center. It's where the Gonzaga team plays their basketball games. He's a season ticket holder. And it turns out that Stockton is an anti-masker. And because he was a very visible alumnus uh, at Gonzaga, people started to complain that he wasn't wearing a mask and they would see him there. And so they wrote to the athletic director saying, you got to get the guy to wear a mask. The athletic director reaches out to Stockton, tells Stockton, look, you got to wear a mask. You come to the game. Stockton goes, absolutely not. I'm not going to be wearing any mask. So the athletic director, mind you, Stockton's number 12 jersey hangs from the banner in the south-facing rafters at the McCarthy Athletic Center. Did you know I knew this so much about John Stockton? Or maybe and, it's just a well-researched <laughs> Stockton knowledge is through the roof. And so the athletic director told Stockton, you're, you're banned. Your season tickets are suspended, despite that you're in the Gonzaga Hall of Fame, because we take this seriously. Good on them. And we care about an educational institution, about having others wear masks. And then Stockton gave this interview to one of the local papers, the Spokesman Review. Um, and this is what he said. And he Disclaimer, major misinformation alert about to happen. Then I won't give the quotes. So, so because I won't even say what his disinfo said. But basically, what he claimed is that hundreds of athletes passed away from the vaccine and dropped dead from the vaccine. You would think if you even know, one of these, one of this happened, it would be a top story on every huge story, biggest story on the planet, right? <laughs> and 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 professional athletes, you know, hundreds of professional athletes in the prime of their career dropped dead because they were vaccinated right on the field is what uh, Stockton said. What world are these people living in? You know, their brains are poisoned by the Newsmax OAN. It, it, it really is. And then it's also the internet, you know, and, that, and, and it kind of brings the episode full circle to the yes. beginning, but there are websites that write fake article. I mean, the term fake news, it's used right now as kind of a joke because Trump co-opted it. What the term fake news was about before Trump started using it to describe actual legitimate publications was fake news was about these fake websites that were being set up to spread fake stories like this. And where John Stockton is getting this information from, I would say, isn't even from the OAN, OANs and the Newsmaxes, but it's from this really dark part of the internet that spreads fake stories using like 
stock photos of athletes and and craft something that when somebody reads it, they think they're reading a legitimate publication, but they're actually reading like information is us dot us or something, you know, random. And it's just bullshit. It's just absolute bullshit. And they may even take like little parts of like, you know, facts here and there to try to couch it in like, exactly. oh, look, this thing can be confirmed here, but it's all bullshit. And it's one of the most, it's one of the biggest reasons why people are being indoctrinated by this. And it's why it's so important that we fight back on this digital landscape also, because there's just so much garbage poisoning people out there. And John Stockton is just, you know, another high profile person who's fallen for this just yeah, fake news. Another, another high profile casualty of the fake news zombie apocalypse that's happening here. It, it, it really is interesting to me because I like to say that we were all like internet 1.0 generation. Like Ben, when you were 10, you didn't have the internet, but when you were 15, you did. Brett, you and I grew up with it our whole life. So we really saw the evolution of the internet and how the internet works. For people Stockton's age, that 59 year old age and up, they never grew up with it until they were like 27, 30, like around there. And so they never had an opportunity to sort of delineate fact from fiction online, right? What they're reading, they're taking at face value because they're not, and I'm not saying this to come off of ageist in any way, but they're just not as savvy because they didn't grow up with it the way we did. So I, any of our listeners here, just the re-education that you could take on your own merits to figure out oh, why is this not true? Like, what's wrong with this website? What's the fake news happening here? Like, you have to take it one step further I'll say in order things, to get Jody. the facts. If it sounds fake, it probably is, um, is my first piece of advice. And two, nobody is, no, nobody is safe from this. Um, and uh, no pun intended here, but nobody is immune to uh, fake news and to being affected by fake news. We've all fallen for it before. It comes in very devious ways. And we all need to just be more discerning when it comes to what we read and what we share online. And it's Absolutely. a deeper issue, Jordy, because we always forget the power of the presidency because Trump diminished that power so significantly. But there is a real ramification of him referring to legitimate sources um, to sophisticated, high-level government actors as well as referring to fake news and deep state and destroying the institutions and also destroying credible media. Because what that does in doing so is it also uplifts people like Joe Rogan and uplifts people like other fake news sources who then fill the gap and fill the void as legitimate media sources are diminished in their stature and are told that it's in it and are told that it's fake news. I mean, the statistics are very basic. The vaccine is it isn't a debate that needs to even be had. It shouldn't even be a debate. If you go to hospitals across the country, 90 percent of the people who are hospitalized are unvaccinated people. You know, you could speak to the hospital the officials and say, who's in there? They will tell you. It is unvaccinated people and in many ways, even higher than 90 percent. And so why Joe Rogan wants to focus and he's wrong, but he focuses on myocarditis of, you know, 10 year olds to 15 year olds and tries to extrapolate something which he's completely wrong about. The facts are right in front of your eyes and the kind of message of a coup in plain sight. The facts in many ways are in plain sight. And we have to restore also 
confidence in our institutions. I will read you um, today along those lines. Uh, Fiona Hill, she is now a senior fellow in the Center on the United States and Europe in the Foreign Policy Program at Brookings. And she recently served as the deputy assistant to Trump and senior director for European and Russian affairs on Trump's National Security Council. Also served from, for George W. Bush, also served for Barack Obama for a little bit, just for perspective on, on how long this person has, or how many administrations this person has served. And she says, from Russia's perspective, America's domestic travails after four years of President Donald Trump's disastrous presidency, as well as the rifts he created with United States allies and America's precipitous withdrawal from Afghanistan signals weakness. And remember, it was Trump who, you know, who was one of the people who said to get out of Afghanistan. You know, it was Biden who actually did it and effectuated it in a way that was, you know, that actually got it done. He had the guts to at least get it done. But, you know, the weakness that was the the disastrous eternal mess that Trump created has emboldened people like Putin to threaten to invade Ukraine right now. And so we talk about Trump's spreading of fake news. We talk about Trump's destroying our institutions with the deep state. We should also talk about Trump's destruction of our allies. Every aspect of the country, this psychopath has torn apart. This sick, narcissistic, you know, disastrous human being, the biggest plague in our country. Look what he's done at all layers and all levels right now and what he's created. And not just Trump, but the entire Republican Party, you know, and brings it back to what we were talking about earlier with with Newt Gingrich. One of the reasons why Newt Gingrich and why you have people like Matt Gates going out and threatening to jail political opponents, it's also to make a mockery of those institutions as well. Like that's another aspect of it. It's just chipping They're away at our trust mm-hmm. in government. It's chipping away at our trust in the press, chipping away at our trust in the Department of Justice, in our foreign relations. It's why you have Tucker going on TV to voice his support of the Kremlin over the United States, over Ukraine, over all of our allies. That's what it's all about. They want to delegitimize really what is happening currently, our alliances, all of our institutions, and they want to just destroy it all. And this is a stated purpose that comes directly from people like Steve Bannon. They want to burn it all down and they want to create a new world order. And in that new world order, that new world order that they see, it's one in which the United States is more like Hungary, is more like Russia than is like all of our democratic, small d democratic allies in the world. That's what they envision for the future. Definitely have more to discuss. I definitely want to talk about that Don Jr. video and whatever's going on there, um, which was not a masterwork. Let's just say that. But let's talk <laughs> about masterworks for nice a second. Nice transition. Thank Ooh. you. This podcast is brought to you by Masterworks. Let's take a break from the news for just one second, because here's some tech news you may have missed out and has to do with this fine art. Picasso painting recently sold for over $100 million at an auction last year, marking a 1,400% increase from its original price. 
that is 1,400% increase, which is shocking. But when you learn that blue chip price appreciation has outpaced the S&P for over two decades and that the Wall Street Journal deemed that the art market was one of the hottest on earth, you can see why it doesn't take a computer scientist to see that blue chip artwork might be one of the smartest investments you can make in 2022. And thanks to Masterworks, now you can invest in blue chip artwork without having a Bezos-sized bank account. They're a fintech unicorn democratizing the art market, enabling you to add fine art to your portfolio without having to be a millionaire. And I'm talking about paintings from Banksy, Basquiat, Picasso. Don't get nipped in the bud by Bitcoin when you could be investing in works by iconic artists like these. Our listeners can receive priority access to their newest offerings. Get started by going to masterworks.art slash Midas. That's not .com. Go to masterworks.art slash Midas. Again, masterworks.art slash Midas. See important disclaimers at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. I want to talk now about this Don Jr. video. Can we just play whatever you want to call this. I mean, look, I guess we should rewind just for a quick second. Don Jr. is clearly under a mounting level of stress right now. Rewind again. Everything that the Republicans do is is projection. Every single thing that they do is projection. So all of that Hunter Biden stuff is really a projection about Don Jr. and what Don Jr. is dealing with and and what Don Jr. is going through. We also learned from the breaking exclusive we had of Michael Cohen, although some news outlets try to report it after, like they got it. Like Cohen said it on the Midas Touch podcast first. I noticed this. Yeah, what was that? That That Don Jr. was going to be the first one that Trump said he would throw under the bus. He told that to Michael Cohen in any criminal investigation that Don Jr. was going to take the fall for the whole family. That was breaking news from Midas. I saw some other news outlets reported as fresh news, not giving Midas credit, but whatever. The news is out there. That's what I care about. Not the the first time that it's happened, by the way. We've had (laughs) other guests who've come on here and then we've seen them on. I'm not going to call out the uh, other network, CNN, (laughs) who who would have the same guest on like two days after uh, they were on the Midas Touch podcast. And they would say, you recently made some statements on a show about whatever. Could you repeat those statements here? And then they cover it as their own story. Anyway, I don't think again, the most important, the most important thing is that the news gets out there. So Don Jr. does these videos and he like brands them Don Jr. on the video. Like he gives them like the label, the way like Midas, we label like our videos. He's he like has Don Jr. (laughs) And so when you watch this video, here's what I want you to think about. He recorded this video in the state of mind that you're going to see him in. And then after recording it, he or his team, I assume there's a team also because I don't think Don Jr. He's not putting a logo on himself. So the team thought it was a great idea. Let's release this video. Brett, play the video. You know, can't put Joe Biden in the same room as someone. He might uh, let one rip. Guys, Joe Biden is what stands between us and a nuclear-capable China? Joe Biden is the guy they're going to call at 3 in the morning if there's a serious crisis with Russia. 
guys, Jailbird. It sounds like someone who's it doing a bad, Russia. a bad impression of Don Jr. Guys, Jailbird. It also sounds like he's trying to do an impression of his dad. Yeah, he's trying to kind of do an impression. I mean, it's it's honestly, it's sad. It's sad. It's, it is sad. I mean, you know, I, I I know people who have gone through you know addiction. I, I've I've seen the signs. I've seen the stories. You know, if if there was somebody in um you know Don Jr.'s family who cared for him, um I hope that when they see these videos, you know, they would take action because I genuinely am sympathetic to seeing that. Not to ruin Kendall Roy for all you Succession viewers out there, but they're the same fucking person. And it's so disgusting. They're very similar, except Kendall Roy is, uh, I, I would say, more empathetic. Uh, I, I have more empathy for yes. Kendall Roy. Yes, <laughs> agree, so, agree. So, so Don Jr., though, an, an icon, that is someone who this GQP zombie cult looks at and goes, that's their guy. I like that. I like <laughs> that guy. That's my guy. The other guy who they look at and go, you know what? Raises a really solid point there. Tucker Carlson. Play the Tucker Carlson quote about the M&Ms. The other big change is that the brown M&M has, quote, transitioned from high stilettos to lower block heels. Also less sexy. That's progress. M&Ms will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. Until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any one of them. That's the goal. When you're totally turned off, We've achieved equity. They've won. So that's Tucker Carlson talking about how he wants to have a drink with M&Ms and that he finds M&Ms to be sexy and that the <laughs> Democrats and woke culture has somehow made M&Ms less sexy and that they've taken away. What's the viewer the What's the viewer doing when they want? Like the Siri viewer, like, yeah, Tucker's right. I do want to fuck M and M's. Like, well, no, they're they're taking they're they're taking their dick out of the bowl of M and M's and putting it inside. <laughs> that's, that's a real graphic description. Might to, that might have to get cut. I mean, I guess that we have stays, to keep that. Stays, we'll have to stay, keep that in the pod. But there you have it. You have Don Jr. You have Tucker Carlson. You have John Stockton. You've got this whole zombie crew of people right there. And then we have you, the listener, the viewer of the Midas Touch podcast. You watch these podcasts on the Midas Media Network, but we have you and you are the key to saving our democracy. You rightfully look at that Tucker Carlson video and say, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you rightfully look at the Don Jr. video and you go, OMG, what in the world is that? But now we need you to take that energy and we need you to mobilize. We need you now to fight for our democracy. You have the facts. You know that we could win in 2022. You also know the consequences of us not winning in 2022. Real, legitimate, authentic politicians who care about our democracy the GQP wants to prosecute criminally for investigating the causes of an insurrection against our government? Are you going to let that happen? As we say in the video, Midas created a coup in plain sight. Where do you stand in this critical moment? And you know where you stand. You stand on the right side of history. But just standing on the right side of history isn't enough. 
We need you not just to stand, but we need you to act. We need you to take action right now. And as we close out the Midas Touch podcast, I do want to talk about another podcast that I absolutely love. That's not on the Midas Media Network, but is a partner with the Midas Media Network. And I don't throw out endorsements lightly for other podcasts. You know that if you listen to the Midas Touch podcast. It's called The Lost Debate. It's hosted by Ravi Gupta, who was a guest on the Midas Touch podcast. He's a former staffer. wowed the heck out of us, man. Former staffer for Obama and school principal who founded ARENA, an organization that's trained thousands of progressive staffers and helped elect hundreds of candidates. They also have Corey Bradford, a progressive political organizer from the Deep South turned TikTok star who once hosted a Fox News radio show. Wow. And they have Ricky Schlott, a Gen Z New York Post columnist and libertarian fighting to protect free speech. They cover the latest news, ideas, and trends that mainstream media overlooks. And instead of being at each other's throats, they focus on bringing new perspectives to the table in constructive debates that sound less like crossfires and more like discussions between real people. Here's the thing I want to point out about this podcast, but it's why I think you should listen to it. You are not going to agree with all of the things they say on the podcast. There are a lot of ideas on the podcast and political positions that I find myself learning from. You know, I I disagree with some of the political positions because some of them skew more traditional right-leaning. But what I also wanna learn is how we can message to all Americans, and how we can have these respectful debates and discussions. We may have differences on policies between Democrats and Republicans. What we should all share is our love of our democracy. Yeah, it's important to get out of our bubbles, right? Like you need to step out of your bubbles. You have to step out of your comfort zone to really get a full perspective as to what is going on. And that's what I love about The Lost Debate. And it's not only a podcast, but it's also a YouTube show. The same way you watch our show on YouTube, you can watch it on YouTube. And if you want to actually escape your media bubble and engage in good faith with ideas from across the political spectrum, I highly recommend. Check out The Lost Debate. Um, Just really, really good. And I think it will inform form you in a way that is much needed going into these midterm elections. Like you'll be armed with all the talking points. You'll be armed with it from just an intellectual debating point of view from the people who know this stuff best, the lost debate. Check it out. You know, anywhere you get podcasts, check it out on YouTube. Going back where we started this podcast, Brett's video, a coup in plain sight, watch it, learn from it, share it, send it to your friends. Post it on your Facebook, post it on your Instagram, email it to your friends, DM it to your friends. It is a learning tool for you to utilize. Special thanks to our God, We got to talk about the Midas Mighty Meetup this weekend. Oh Oh, yeah. Okay. We can't, we can't, we can't end the show without doing a huge shout out. So um, Ben and myself this weekend had the privilege of meeting up with some of the Midas Mighty out here in Los Angeles. This wasn't like, don't, don't be upset if you're in Los Angeles and didn't get to see us this time. You know, it wasn't like in a, an official, official Midas meetup. We didn't like announce it to the public really beforehand, but we got to meet some incredible members of the Midas Mighty, grab dinner with them. I want to give a huge shout out to Aaron Zoe, Jerry, Jules, and Mel 
Danielle, who we had the privilege of meeting. And when you meet people in person, it's just like, you know, just the coolest people, you know, we're talking about all these crazy people on the other side, the most normal people, like funny, personable, passionate, really care about this stuff. We had just so much, so many fun conversations, um, so much to talk about. And it was like, I knew them when I met them because of all of our interactions with them on social media. So like this movement, man, it's, it's awesome when you actually see it on the ground and you meet people face to face. I promised I'd give a shout out to some of the Midas mini, uh, their kids when I was with them to so shout out to Victoria, shout out to Logan, shout out to Abby. And I just want to thank all your support. And if you want to do a Midas meetup on your own, you know, like it's, it, you don't have to like inform us or anything. You could just say, Hey, like, you know, I know a crew of people who are like-minded in their, you know, passion for democracy and want to see this country move better. You know, consider getting lunch. in if you live in Chicago, consider getting lunch in Chicago. If you live in Texas, consider getting coffee in Texas, consider talking and figuring out ways that you could help mobilize voters, that you could help register voters. You know, this is all a, like a decentralized movement that you can really have power of. And you could use this network of pro-democracy voices that you see online to make great relationships that actually shift the political winds in our favor. And you'll meet really cool people along the way like we did. So I just wanted to say it was a really special moment. Really awesome. Uh, we posted some pictures online and we've been showing them to all the viewers on here. Um, just so amazing. I'm so grateful for, for everybody's support. Special thanks to our sponsors, Blinkist. Use that code Midas. Masterworks.art. Use that code Midas. Magic Spoon. Use that code Midas. Athletic Greens. Use that code Midas. It's usually slash Midas at the end of the URLs. It's usually slash Midas at the end of the URLs, or as I like to call them, Earls. And check out the, check out the lost debate. Thank you to all of you, the Midas Mighty. You make this movement possible. We owe it all to you, uh, Brett Jordy. Always great to get to see you every day. Get to work with you, and uh, we'll see you next time on the. Midas Touch Podcast. Subscribe to the Midas Touch YouTube channel. Shout out to the Midas Mighty!